You are listening to the Money Making Marketing Podcast, and we are your guides to making money with marketing. I'm Isaac Jackson, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Jenny Huddleston from Avon Marketing, and Louis Sanford from The Mailman. Today, we are joined by Rich Hayden from Seven Sun, a marketing agency that specializes in web design and development. Rich, it's great to have you on the podcast. Um, you're our first guest we've had on here, hopefully the first of many. Um, and yeah, it's going to be really good chatting with you, learn a bit more about websites, a bit more about what you do, and hopefully giving our, our listeners some uh, really great advice so they can actually sort their websites out. Because the amount of websites that that we come across are just awful and don't work <laughs> is insane. But the more advice we can give to people, the better, really. Um, so, Rich, would you be able to um, give yourself a quick introduction? Tell us a bit about what you do and who you help. Yeah, sure thing. Um, guys, great to be with you and uh, and thanks for inviting me on. So, yeah, I hope it's going to be a useful hour. We can chat away, talk, everything. website. So, um, my name is Rich Hayden. I'm managing director of a company called Seven Sun, and we're a creative agency based here in Leeds, uh, West Yorkshire. Um, I've been involved in digital over 20 years, um, and Seven Sun is now three years old. So, we're a creative agency. We do everything from um, brand development, website design, right way through to video production, photography, and everything else under the umbrella of, of the creative field, really. But I don't want to be talking to you more about websites this morning. And then you asked the question, who do we help? That's a good that's a good one. We help everyone from a one-man band startup right the way through to multinational blue chip organizations and everything in between. And I think that we've got products and services that can suit all marketplaces um, and, and all types of clients as well. So we love nothing more than a brand new startup, but as well, we love working for those large organizations that need, need a lot of our support from all the creatives that, that, that work for Seven Sun. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So, um, I mean, really, I think the, the first kind of question I'd, I'd ask is, what actually is a website? What is its purpose? Good one. Well, for me, I think it's your virtual storefront and um, your future customers are walking along that virtual high street looking at you and your competition that's sat right next door to you. So let's imagine that you're walking down, you know, a virtual high street. They're looking left and right and they're in the marketplace for what you do, but they're also looking at your customers next door. And it's those immediate impressions that you can create um, to that future audience in the hope that they captivate and want to walk into your storefront because yours looks um, smart, it looks up to date, it looks inviting. And that's the difference. And I think some people don't understand that. It's, you know, you are being looked at for people to choose whether to walk into your store or not. And it is that first, we say, seven seconds to make that impression. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more with that. Um, it, it's such a vital thing. The the kind of comparison with it being a virtual storefront is uh, so many businesses just seem to neglect that. And uh, do, do you know why people might neglect that and think think it's not? Um, it, it, again, is that good? I, I think it's down to naivety. And I think sometimes, and we'll probably talk about this later, it depends on what these people wanted to do in the first instance. If they wanted to grab a website but they had no budget to do it and they were building it themselves, that's fine. But if people are going to do that, I just encourage them to look at other designs, understand the do's and don'ts of good and bad website design. And, and you're right, I've seen too many sites before that are um, poorly built, bad colorways, bad logo. And that's another point, you know, everything on your website actually starts with your brand and logo. If you get yourself a good logo, everything else can begin to take care of itself. So you've got to under, understand the importance of getting yourself a great brand, first of all, because then for we as designers, it's a pleasure to work with a good brand because we can make a good website. It's hard to make a good website with a bad brand. Yeah, this this is something I encounter quite a bit. I, I do um, like uh, video branding for people. And that all centers around their logo. And if they come to me with an awful logo, it just makes my life so much more difficult. Um, I think and, you're, you're right. It's, the, it's that like first impression, isn't it, with the website? And I've had it where I say if someone, if it's slow at loading or it looks a bit shonky or looks very dated, it puts you off. Um, or if people don't have a website at all, in my head, it makes me think, oh, I wonder what's going on with this business or are, are they not functioning or are they not open? So I think it's absolutely. It's, a massive thing isn't it to, to have one and so there are still some businesses without websites and I just think how do you get kind of business or you, you know I think it's how do you kind of manage in this day and age without one yeah and I think I'm not 
I'm not saying that everything has to be expensive. There's some brilliant stuff out there at the moment where people can put a good logo together. There's, there's a brilliant site called Canva that some of our audience might be aware of. But on there, you can create your own logo with a $14.99 a month license. You know, crack on. There's some brilliant ideas out there, but don't undervalue the importance to put yourself a good logo together. Or go and speak to a one-man band graphic designer. In the first instance, if you've got a small budget, they will guide you through it. And for the cost of a few hundred pounds, you can get yourself a really good-looking brand. And that might make the difference between you getting loads of inquiries or no inquiries at all yeah is that that first impression counts like you wouldn't you wouldn't have a brick and mortar store and have half your signage hanging off or uh, the windows blacked out you know <laughs> having, having a terrible website is doing that for your business or just on a digital level it absolutely is and it's a competitive marketplace and they're going to be looking at you and they're going to be looking at your competition and it's as simple as that and it's who stands out playing the right thing and how they look and feel and, and whether the customer feels encouraged and uh, to, to engage with you so yeah don't undervalue the importance of the design of your site and that's just one element that obviously we're going to be discussing because design's important but what you say is also just as important so i'm sure we'll cover off that later in the chat yeah, the, the content on your website is definitely uh, really vital. Um, but that's a really key point. I've definitely been on websites before and I'll think, whoa, this looks nice instantly. But then I can't find what I'm actually looking for. And it will look nice, but it won't have any any actual like functionality to it. Whereas yeah. in the other I, I respect, I've been on websites which don't necessarily look great, but they show me exactly what I need. And if none of the other websites I've been on have been able to do that, then it's, yeah. it's been one I've gone for, ultimately. So it is that balance of both, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a, really more important. Is it the, the design of the site or the content of the site first? Which should you get nailed? Gosh, that's a really good question. I mean, I case in point, I look at Amazon. Now, I don't think Amazon's a very good-looking and well-laid-out website. I, I find it, it cluttered, but, but my God, I shop on it, <laughs> I use it, it's convenient, it's there. It breaks all the rules. And I've had clients before that have had pretty poor looking brands and a website that we've inherited that was okay but they were selling millions of pounds worth of stock per year so there is that challenge but for me it is design capture the imagination and if you've caught their imagination within those first few seconds they're going to read on a bit more for you to then um go through that sort of like um What's the world? Uh, it, it's the it's the brand confidence. So if you can give them confidence that you know what you're talking about, they will stay with you a bit longer. And, it, and it, as they work down your page, the home page is really particular and very important, or the landing page that they should find. Um, you've got to get across very quickly what you do and how you do it. Um, and it's it's really important to be saying the right things, but without killing them with content. Because I've read I've seen sites before. I was like, ah, that's too long, and I'm not going to read it because it's pages and pages long. And at the moment, people aren't reading as much this, this whole sort of sped up society we're in. People are looking for information quick, but there's a balance between, and Jenny will know this, it's a balance between engaging copy, but it's also copy that the search engines pick up on because it's right in terms of search engine optimization. And again, that's opening up a bigger, bigger discussion that no doubt we're going to be talking about in a bit, but the balance between good copy, bad copy, short engaging copy, and longer copy to attract and tick the boxes in terms of Google and the other search engines, it all needs to be considered carefully. I, I've just had a look at, well, I had a look yesterday, but I've got it back up now at Rich's website. And when you first go onto it, I think what Rich just said is like captured perfectly. So as soon as you come on it, there's some creative like movement on the website, which catches, catches your eye. And it says, inspiring creative ideas design. And it, it says what he does ultimately. And then after that, it's just projects, projects of all the different businesses which has worked with in different areas and it's basically case studies and it shows exactly like you say what you do and how you do it immediately yeah and well thanks for that Larry because what, what we're trying to do is sometimes <laughs> people try with their own website to say listen to how good we are and start shouting about everything but also you've got to talk about the outcomes for your customers so you can say we're brilliant but what are you going to do for me as a customer that's going to make my life easier that's going to make me more money or how are you going to add value so you've got to change the script a little bit and again jenny will tell us this you've, you've got to you've got to present yourself right where you want what the results are not not just how great you are it's what you've done for others and if you can back it up with great case studies and and prominent testimonials um, I think that's a really important part of you showing how good you are. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially um, with social, they can be quite salesy and, and that side. But like you said, I guess it's that pain points and, and kind of the proof in the pudding, isn't it? So showing this is what we can do. This is the solution. Um, and I think that's more powerful than just saying how great you are. 
um, and, and being, yeah. being super salesy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It goes back to the the brand story that we've discussed on probably every episode of the podcast so far. It's such an important thing. Um, for those that haven't listened to previous episodes, brand story is something that um, Donald Miller kind of developed. Um, he's an American author and business leader. And it's all about talking about the problem your customers face, the solutions you provide, and the results they're going to see from working with you. And it's really tapping into their pain points and showing them a way to alleviate themselves from that pain. And like we've said, every single part of your marketing really needs to be following that kind of process of of talking directly to your com- uh, your customer's story. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's so many different types of websites out there. Um, like if if I was starting up a business and needed to create a website, like I know I need a website. Um, how do I know what type of website to go with? Obviously, there's e-commerce, there's static sites, there's um, so many different ways you can kind of go. There is, I, I, there is, and again. I urge customers, particularly brand new in business, to just calm themselves down a bit and not go for your 25 page website <laughs> if they don't need it. It's all about budget versus features, isn't it? In the first instance, you know, most brochure or portfolio websites that we put together might be between five to 10 pages big. They don't need to be anything more than that. And sometimes larger agencies out there can get a bit carried away and try and upsell these people to uh, a website that's two, three, four thousand pounds. I think it's just unaffordable they can't do it so i try and just be patient and hold the hands of brand new clients that look let's just get you started in the first instance what do you need here to get your business off the ground is it a website that's just to attract people so when you're out there networking you give people your business cards when we're safe and uh, free to do so and they're coming back they're googling you and they're looking up and they're backing up with a with a great website that backs up your reputation that's just a portfolio site but then they might just need a one-page site just for information in the first instance because that's all they can afford, which is fine. So there's your one-pages, there's your small brochure sites, then you've got your large-scale information sites for bigger corporations, and then it moves into the world of e-commerce, which is a different game altogether, Isaac, and, and that's where you know a lot of money can be made. But you've said it before, in the wider schemes of marketing, a lot of people used to come to me with a budget for an e-commerce website, and we build it, and they said, like, great, now what? And they didn't realize that the marketing spend that has to be given to the business mm-hmm. after the e-commerce um, site's been built is the biggest part. And Louis knows this. People down there, you know, there's got to be a marketing budget in place to bring customers to your door. So you might have a great e-commerce site geared up for um, conversion, which is brilliant, but you've got to find the digital marketing spend to go and find that audience and bring them to your door and then yeah. transact with them. So there's two things to consider there. Yeah, it's like your website's not going to drive traffic on its own. You need to be spending money to drive traffic to your website, um, whether that's through paid advertising or SEO or all of these different methods that you can use to, to market your business. Yeah, It's really wanting to drive people to your website and that be the hub for all of your kind of online presence, really. Um, yeah. So I think we should probably leave e-commerce for this episode because that's, that's a whole piece of it and we could probably yeah. talk just on e-commerce itself um so outside of the kind of e-commerce realm what would you say are the key components of a website what does every website need to have on it okay well for, for me it's um i would cover up so start with a good brand look for great imagery and by this i mean um I'm not saying go and get yourself a professional photographer in the first instance if you haven't got the budget. I'm saying you can look for great stock imagery out there. And by stock imagery, I'm not meaning two people shaking hands in a business centre. I'm talking yeah. out there now. <laughs> there's, some, there's some really cool um, gallery sites like Shutterstock. You can pay for images. But there's a really good free website called Pexels. And on there, there's some really, really good-looking images that can start you, your website to look really smart. Um, and then down the line, as you begin to build your business and, and you've got a budget for it, you might then engage with custom photography. But the first instance, get yourself some great imagery. And as we said before, go for engaging copy and there's a balance. It can't be war and peace because nobody reads it, but yet it's got to be optimised for search engine optimization. And the way we would start a site is that we would ask um, our client you know what's their target audience what's their product or service and then we'll do keyword research around this to try and find those prominent search terms that should be built into the navigation of the site and the copy within the website as well and that's really important because if you want to get a chance to be organically ranked with your product or service within the category and industry space that you're within um, keyword research is really important to do 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, so kind of like once you've got the traffic to your site, obviously having people visit your site isn't the be all and end all, is it? Like they need to do something when they're there. You need to capture their contact details in some way or another. So what would your recommendations be for the way people can capture the contact details of their leads and then start actually trying to sell to them? Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's the... Um... We've got to understand from our customers what's the driving force. If it's transactional, it's e-commerce, it's different because they add the basket and they buy. But if we're wanting it where they go for what's called the call to action. So if I'm on your site, within the first seven seconds, I need to understand what you're doing, how you can help. I then scroll down and I'm beginning confidence in, the, in your brand because you're telling me the things that I need to know. But throughout the site, should be peppered what we call the CTAs, the calls to action about what do I do next. If it's to book a consultation call, click here. If it's to um, buy something, it's click here. If it's to understand and learn more, click here. So these buttons are the information throughout the site. There's a methodology to it. And sometimes people don't perhaps realize that there's a, a methodology to how you build out a website to, to produce the, um, the inquiries. There's some brilliant um, digital marketing agencies that create landing page designs. So they drive media traffic onto a certain page. And it's almost like the TV adverts that you see, the longer adverts, which tells you all the features and benefits of the latest ab cruncher or the latest food blender. There's a way of doing it where you, you read down the page and there's clear notes for you to hit the button and, and get that inquiry started. So you can't just have a great website that says, you know, we've got a beautiful brand and we've got a beautiful uh, presence and great imagery, but there's no buttons to hit what's going to happen next. You've got to strike that balance to make sure that your audience know what they need to do to engage with you. I think that's yeah, one thing I've... What they need to do, don't you? Yeah, uh, I think that's yeah. one thing I've learned with websites. Same with social media, you have to you have to have that call to action and kind of make it obvious because that's it. I think it's a risk of, especially with websites, people can read read um sort of the about section and maybe forget why they're there and sort of drop off so it's i guess leading them into the next bit you want them to go into and and having a contact now or yeah click here or it kind of makes it very obvious to people and what we do is what one of my top tips is less is more and, and even if you've got you know a fairly lot to say to somebody there's a way you can design it up you don't need to cram it all on one page and you certainly don't need to cramp it all in you know, people are willing. People are used to scrolling now because of mobile technology and iPads and everything like that. If you want them to scroll through the page and you've got, you know, bullet points or paragraphs, but you've spaced it out well around what we call negative white space. But what we mean by that is, in a good way, there's plenty. Think, think of Apple and think of the Apple website. There's loads of beautiful ways that you scroll through the site, but they don't go and cram paragraphs and paragraphs together. They save that for the terms and conditions page. They invite people in to just explore and take their time. So. Don't cram information together. Just enable the scroll and place copy throughout your pages with yeah. consideration. I think people are quite lazy, aren't they, when they read. I'm, I'm bad for going on a website, reading a blog, reading an article, and just kind of skim reading. But I think mm. like that, having your white space and splitting it up is really key because it just makes kind of the information more digestible. And it, I think having like clear titles and things like that, people can skip to the bits they want. Um, and yeah, I found, want, yeah, those websites that look clean and, and things, it's just way easier to, to read and kind of interact with. Jenny, you're right. Well, I had it the other week with a customer that had a lot to say because he had some FAQs. Now, you know, there's a way to do it. You can have FAQs listed out as long as you're on, yeah. or if you put it under some sort of concertina accordion style with six questions, and should people want a question answering, they'll click on the question and the page will expand. That's with a good idea. ways of doing it. So just consider your design always and make sure it's really easy for the customers to navigate through your pages. Yeah, it's about making the customer's life easier at the end of the day. They don't want to go onto a web page and then struggle to navigate it, struggle to find what they need. Um, you want to make that as easy as possible. And in a sense, you want to guide them through exactly where you want them to go in the order you want them to go and try and optimize for that. Um, so something we've discussed um, previously on the podcast is lead generators. Yeah. Um, what, what's your kind of thoughts around using lead generators to, to capture contact details? Yeah, again, good question. It's... Um... There's, there's, there's two parts of this. Do you want to put up the barriers to stop people engaging with you or do you want to give them something so enticing that they can't help themselves but give you their email address in order for a, a free brochure download or a 50% off voucher in store? Um, there's a balance. What I wouldn't 
encourage my customers to do is put a great whacking form on there with 10 fields that you've got to fill out before then you can send them a small brochure with five best tips on how to cook steak for instance yeah. you know you've got to keep it punchy but you've got to offer them something that they almost can't help themselves with and they sell their soul for giving you their email address and that's, <laughs> that's a really good thing to do um but keep it light and punchy but make sure it's such a good lead gen offer that they can't help themselves yeah, it's that kind of situation, like a, an email address is, people treat that like gold, you know, they don't want to give out their email address unless they know they're not going to get spammed, they know that they're getting something really valuable in return for that, and that that really is a key thing with it. Because um, I've had it before. Which have like these really complex quote systems, and yeah. it's like, I don't want to give you my contact details just to get a, a, a quote and fill out all of this information just to get like a small quote. Quite you right. need to give them something to entice me. Yeah. And Louis, That's, it's the key thing. It's the key thing, isn't it, with any sort of marketing, having a compelling offer. An offer that someone can't refuse, a mafia offer, as I like to call it. You're right. And Louis, you, you know more about that than anybody. So in, <laughs> in terms of your realms, it's just that point where somebody receives something in the post or sees something on a website, and it's just that sort of nature where they just can't help themselves but click that button because they're so engaged with what you've got to offer them. Um, and uh, yeah, so so it can work, but you've got to do it right. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess a part of that is to kind of keep your awareness going prior to them even visiting your website and and get them engaged and interested in your brand because that's going to make them giving you their email address so much easier. And I guess it's one of the best them... that is like with your SEO, you know, um, making sure you're you're optimized with with search engines so people can see your content more easily. Um, it's giving them enough value before, isn't it? Even like if, if yeah. you give them so much value without them giving an email address, then it's like, oh, if I give them my email address, I'm going to get so much more value mm. ultimately. Louis, you're right. And there's a bigger thing here. There's, there's brand awareness before they even come to your website. There's a customer journey that you can take people on, isn't there? And Jenny knows this through, through social media and other areas outside of your website, you're attracting them first. It's, it's you going out and networking or it's you doing something on social media or either, you know, on YouTube, you've got something out there that raises awareness of your brand, then they're probably going to click through to your website. So they've built trust in immediately because they wanted to see more. Then they come into your website and then it's what you tell them there and it's what they have to do next. So it's all about your brand perception and every touch point that you've got out there in the digital world or even offline marketing as well is just as important if there's flyers, leaflets, magazines, brochures and all that sort of stuff or even a, a flyer that goes through the door everything that you do and all these touch points have got to take them to the next level, which turns them from a an inquirer into a customer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really, it is, it is trying to like share knowledge, share advice, get people drawn in, and you're kind of doing that through channels which aren't your website, you know, necessarily. I mean, your blog you want to have on your website, but that's yeah. tapping across into search engines, sharing across onto social media, um so i mean we, we touched on seo kind of briefly before but what what would you say are like the the top three things a business can do on their website to increase their seo well there's, there's three parts to this either so so there's three things on-page seo technical seo and then there's off-page seo so we talked through so on-page seo relates to the content on your website it includes strategies to optimize an individual page on a website and then these factors help search engines understand the topic of the content and see that the website is a valuable source that people would want to find. So that's the first part. Then technical SEO relates to non-content elements of your site. So it includes strategies to improve a site's backend structure and foundation. So technical SEO improves the site's readability, which makes it easy for search engines to crawl and understand the site. And it provides a good user experience, which helps search engines see that this is a site of high quality. And I can't stress the importance of that. Then you've got your off-site SEO. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, there's techniques that help strengthen the influence and relationship your website has with other websites. So include strategies to build a website's reputation and what's called authority. And these factors help search engines see that a website is an ideal search result because it's from a reputable, reliable, and trusted source. And that's all about link building. And that's where, you know, if you've got 10 different sites pointed to your website because you've said something that people wanted to share, it shows that you've got authority and it shows you as a professional in your field saying something good that people have uh, pointed towards. So you've got to build up trust out there online uh, and be seen as um, 
you know, an authoritative figure within your industry. And that can come from good blog posts uh, written well, written precise, with great details in there. It can be case studies that you've written up about a customer that you've helped within a certain industry. There's loads of good things that you can do within the realms of SEO yourself without even having to engage a digital marketing agency for certain points. Um, you mentioned it before, I, you know, it's good blog writing can help. And there's some really good, simple hints and tips out there when you Google it about the, you know, what's the fundamentals of writing a good blog post? Just Google it and you'll find it out. But again, we'd encourage people to write blog posts that are engaging between 250 to 400 words. And whether you'd agree with that, Jenny, it depends on how deep you go, but you've got to have that balance between writing to where people say, you know, I've really enjoyed that. And it only took a minute to read, mostly 10 minutes, because people haven't got time on their lunch break to spend 50 minutes on your website reading something that's like a blooming monumental that's it and <laughs> I, think, I think with seo um because uh, obviously i i write blogs for people and things and i think it's that some people can get really really hung up on it um, and they want to insert like tons of keywords and and they kind of lose that whole readability and at the end of the day things like blogs they need to do its job of providing information and things so i found that on certain websites you know when you go on them and it's very obvious they're trying to i don't know rank for uh, something in Harrogate, uh, whether it's like car dealership Harrogate, because you can tell they've inserted certain words in and it doesn't actually flow right in the sentence. So I think... Jenny, the... you've, you, you've mentioned a really good thing there. Again, it's a balance because if you're just building a website just purely for search engine optimization and not for engagement with your customer, you can, you can lose people because mm. you just know that you've listed. Yeah, you're right. It's cars in Harrogate, BMWs in Harrogate, yeah. Ford Fiestas in Harrogate. And by the way, we sell cars. <laughs> It, you haven't got my attention mm. but there is a balance that you've got to do that and present it well versus making sure your customer knows how you can help them yeah so it's all well and good like getting your site ranked onto the first page of google but if the customer clicks through and it's just a list of keywords like it's, yeah. it's not gonna connect with them, you know it's not gonna actually tell them what you do um yeah, right. there, there, was, there was cheat techniques of years ago when i got first into this 20 years ago people used to put sort of white html text on a white background and hide all the keywords. <laughs> yeah. google's become savvy now and that leads on to a good point you've got to do things right and well in google's eyes there's no tricks or cheats anymore google ranked people on well-built websites with good content people used to go and buy backlinks and 15,000 backlinks which had mm. no relationship to your category whatsoever but google used to rank well for that then it learned and then it wrote an algorithm to wipe out that and loads of clients that i've inherited over the years fell off the charts by being number one in google for a certain search term because i had 15,000 backlinks i looked like a place of authority google changed the algorithm and it crushed them overnight so whatever you're doing just play by the rules of google and the others out there and that will ensure that you always remain prominent in the eyes of the search engines. In, in yeah. terms of uh, Google like penalising you for things like that, is it just a case of they will sort of kick you off top spot and just rank you way lower? Or it could, it could, yeah, it, it's a good question, Jenny. That can happen overnight. You know, a client can wake up with their greetings cards and they're number one on Google, and all of a sudden an algorithm's changed and they don't yeah. like the way you've done something, and then you find out you're on page ten. But the concern was you might have had 75 percent of your traffic because of that number one ranking yeah. for the one search term so you've got to be cautious about what you're doing spread those keywords um considerably across the, the range of um how you want to target your audience but just be careful mm. that you're not doing something that in google's eyes says this is a bit risky yeah, yeah. and we're going to yeah. penalize you for it um i mean we, we briefly touched on the technical seo um and Something that's got a lot of flack over the years is these like self-build websites for mainly for the technical SEO stuff like Wix and Squarespace and Shopify and all of these things. What, what's your thoughts really on on them? There's, a, there's, a, there's definitely a place for them because again, let's be honest. If I'm a brand new startup that wants to attract companies local to me here in Leeds or Yorkshire, and I've got a, a small budget to get going. Search engine optimization isn't at the forefront of my mind because I know that that's a long-term strategy that takes a lot of money to get going. So in the first instance, I want a presence. I'm going out networking and I want a backup website that makes me look good. So I'm going to jump onto something like Wix or Squarespace and that's absolutely fine. It does have a place. So if you've got a low to no budget and you want to, and you're technically minded, there's loads of tutorials out there showing you how to build a Wix or Squarespace website. Some of my clients have come to me before saying, I gave up on it. It was a nightmare. It took too much of my time. 
I can't be bothered. Can you help me? Well, they've then come up into the realms of working with a one-man band or a small agency. But I think Wix is growing. I just read a report this morning that saying that Google are really combining with Wix now. So they're going to be really working toe-to-toe with Wix in terms of search engine optimization and probably putting some tools in place that helps Wix rank better than ever before. So it, it's definitely got a space out there for um, one-man bands or startups, I think. Yeah, because it's interesting just sort of talking about it because every kind of web developer I speak to, they say like Wix is the devil and don't use it and things like that. So it's quite interesting to hear from someone like yourself saying, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world if you use it. It's not, you know, it's, um, and I guess it's that it's all about your budget and what you can afford really because a lot of these bespoke sites that are built from scratch, they cost thousands of pounds, which a lot of businesses don't have when they start up. Jenny, you're absolutely right. And again, I, I will... I will turn down a sale from a new customer when they've only got a small budget. And I'd say, look, guys, I'd point them towards something like Wix or Squarespace. Or go and ask a friend that's done studying at a university in the first instance. Now, that's not me saying you can go and get a cheap website that looks rubbish. I'm saying yeah. utilize your budget and go and find someone that can do you a good-looking something for the budget that you've got. So I don't try and upsell people something they can't afford because already I'd rather they go and spend their money networking and go and join a networking organization and spend 500 pounds a year of getting your brand out there you don't need to go and throttle it and spend thousands on a website in the first instance you've got to cherry pick your budgets and spend them accordingly and that's why i do come back to say i would tell somebody to consider a wix website in the first instance but if we've got uh, somebody that said look i've had a wix web a wix yeah. website and i need to come up the ranks because i need something more important great well you come to the right place and this is where we can help you so you know, choose your platform wisely based upon the budget that you've got. Yeah, it's like you need to have that that digital presence to begin with. You need your digital shopfront, else you've got nowhere to direct you to. So if that is like going to Wix or Squarespace, at least you're getting started in that that space. Better than it's nothing. Right. It, it is. It's get, get your logo, get yourself a website, set yourself up on social media. You, and Jenny, you'll notice you might, be, you might have to start social media yourself. But again, there's loads of great training workshops out there. The Chambers of Commerce and other government-backed organizations run free uh, LinkedIn training, um, social media training, website and digital marketing training. So I'd suggest that if you're out there and you're willing to explore, jump on some of these free courses, learn as much as you can. Good to speak, Google's out there, YouTube's out there. There's loads of people talking about some good stuff. And if you wanted a tutorial out there, how to go and build a Wix website, jump on YouTube. And there's thousands of videos showing you how to do it. So you can certainly explore that first. I think it applies really to like the whole of marketing in general. Like it's that DIY versus professional. Like where, when you're starting out, you don't have the budgets to go and pay someone £10,000 to sort out like your marketing strategy, you know. Um, you need to start small and you do that by teaching yourself the basics and just getting started and doing that and investing your time at the beginning. And yeah, then it's it kind of being like cash rich or time rich, isn't yeah. it? Ultimately, like no, it, if it you're going to do it yourself or pay someone else and it's whatever, and again, whatever you're able to do or more, more whatever you think is more important to do. Yeah. And I would urge everybody to not procrastinate. Don't sit on a fence for ages to deliberate something. Start. It might not be right. Get yourself a Wix website. Get moving. Get some feedback. Have a look at the analytics. If it's not engaging your customers, why not change things? You know, websites are organic and they change daily or they should be changed daily or weekly. So start with something, explore it, test it. If it doesn't work, change it, tweak it. Um, so you're right, Isaac. It's just doing the right things, um, and, but just starting somewhere helps. Yeah, like um, you do reach this point where it's like, okay, it's it's more cost effective now for me to outsource this to someone else and get them to focus on it and use my time for client work or um, stocking and that kind of thing. Um, You're it absolutely right. yeah. yeah, it is. It, it's choose your weapons well. So start off with you're going to be doing loads of stuff yourself within business. You'll be your own accountant, bookkeeper, <laughs> web developer social media guru but after a while as business picks up begin to hand it to the professionals let them take care of it so you can do what you do best which is running the business it just makes sense doesn't it like let's say you can spend your time which might be worth 50 pounds an hour for example and if you were to build your own website it might take you 40 hours to do or whatever it might be whereas you could pay someone else potentially less than 50 pounds an hour to do it in half the time or potentially the same as that to do it in half the time Yeah, absolutely right, Louis. And, and, it, and it's that balance. We've got to start somewhere, but after a while, 
understand your strengths and go and spend your time wisely where you're going to be making the most money. Absolutely. Yeah, um, the, the, the amount of businesses that like they want to get started in video, for example, but they haven't even tried like picking up their iPhone and, and filming a little bit of themselves. Yeah, like, yeah. Get started and, and do something that's much more cost effective to begin with because like you don't have the budgets for it. Um, yeah. I think it's like, quite nice. Before you actually jump into it, Um, I think you mentioned that a minute ago, like the the whole test and measure. It's something we bang on about all the time on the podcast. You need to test what you're doing and make sure it's going in the direction you want. Else, you're not gonna you're not gonna know what's working. Yeah, absolutely. Jenny, you can say something then. No, I think it's a a a nice thing as well with um with yourself saying with websites to change it frequently and and chop and change and try new things i think sometimes people think websites are this thing you build and then it'll stay the same for 10 years um that's something i've found a lot of people will say um so it's quite you know good to hear that yeah that's it it's all about the testing and look at the analytics in the back and you know tweak your wording and i guess as you said with the things like google and and the um algorithm that's one thing everyone always asks me about social media but they do change all the time so it's just a case of you know i think you don't get hung up on them but it's keep an eye and, and evolve as they do yeah okay. yeah and again i always think about this when i go back to the first website that didn't have content management systems plugged in so you have to pay somebody to do it it was all built in html code so if you needed a change you have to pay for the change now yeah. wix wordpress shopify squarespace and everything else They've got brilliant content management systems, so you can at least get it built from somebody, but then together with your agency or with your one-man band, together you can evolve that website. And Isaac knows as well, we've got some brilliant cameras on phones now that can produce half-decent video. Now, there's nothing better than getting a video produced from the professionals, and Isaac knows that, but you can start somewhere. You know, these self-shot um, videos to say about uh, even if it's client testimonials and stuff, you've just got to start grabbing hold of technology. We're in the brilliant technological age and it's only getting better and better, but start somewhere, but then as well, as we just said before, understand when to stop, hand it into the professionals and go and do what you're best at. Yeah, I actually like it when clients have had a go themselves and done things because they understand the value of it a bit more. And sometimes yeah. people talk to me and say, I want to start social media. It's like, okay, great. But they think kind of in one week we'll have 10,000 subscribers on YouTube and a million sales. It's like, it don't quite work like that. So if you've kind of done it yourself and got some sort of understanding, it makes it kind of easier if you speak to an expert or kind of want to outsource it. You understand maybe what you should be achieving and how it does work versus kind of, you know, having no knowledge at all. Right. For, yeah, for us professionals, it makes things easier if people have tried it before because they then know <clears throat> how much time and effort actually goes into doing that thing so they they start to see the value of what you do and it makes the sale for you so much easier because it's someone who's already really converted and they're wanting you to save them time and make them look even better than they could on their own yeah absolutely um so we've we've touched on testing and measuring um what, what what are the things that you think people need to be tracking what kind of metrics do you think people need to track on their website so they can then evolve it and, and develop it over time uh, first of all, it's obviously the amount of traffic that you bring in. You might bring, you might actually go and invest in a fantastic, find a fantastic website, but nobody comes to your door. So there's a challenge there. How are you going to get people to your website? First of all, Google Analytics, Google Analytics is free. It's great. It's a great metrics um, system that can be embedded into your website. So every week you can go in and see what's happening. So it's um, how many people are coming to your website, and then it's looking for how many people are bouncing from your website. So if they come to your website, they're only on one page and they leave immediately, what's going wrong and what are you not doing that's engaging them? The industry works works on about a 35% bounce rate, I think is the industry average. So if you're below that, then you're doing really well. So you've got to engage them, customers. Then Isaac, it'd be how deep they go into your site. If they, if they go in two or three pages into your website and they're sticking around for a couple of minutes rather than seconds, you're doing something right. And the obvious thing to also then look at is how many people are hitting the contact us they're making a phone call, they're filling out an inquiry form. Those are easy metrics to measure and they're really important. And the other thing that's great within Google Analytics is you can see how many people are coming in from social media, Facebook, Instagram Direct, and how are those performing for you? There's a thing called sort of 
omnichannel and it's your website to the middle but what are all the outreach digital things that you're doing that are bringing people to your website particularly if your website's the main driver of inquiries how well are all the other things around you performing and again google analytics analytics can give you so much of that information yeah it's a good yeah, point like your website is your hub for all of your digital marketing efforts you you want to drive people to there and that be the, the central point I yeah. think as, as well, if you know what channels are coming in on, like you said, if you know, I don't know, Instagram's massive or it's, um, I don't know, you've got a backlink from another website, everybody's coming through there. You probably know you can invest a bit more time into those channels to increase traffic even more. Jenny, you're absolutely right. One of my clients um, had a fantastic e-commerce business, which he sold. They did about, he bought it about half a million pounds a year. He grew it up to about three million turnover online. And he's, Biggest driver of sales was a MailChimp eShop going out on a Sunday morning at 7.30 a.m., which brought most of his female visitors to the site. It must have been where kids were watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was the weekend, and they put an offer on, and Sunday mornings at half seven from an eShop going out was his biggest driver of income. And he would wow. eShop people five times a week. Now, you're probably thinking that's absolutely bombarding people, but he struck the chord right. He knew what his audience wanted, and he tailor-fit campaigns to fit around them and that was his biggest driver of sales into his e-commerce store so understand what your customers like to engage with and tailor fit something around them and then test it so he used to send out a b test e-shops he'd have 70 percent of an e-shop going out to an audience and 30 percent of a different message going out and he would try and test it all the time comes back to what i was saying you know a b test things and see what works and go with the front runner we do it through um Google now, there's some brilliant tools within Google where you can set up a landing page and design it two ways and split out the audience and send half the audience to one page, half the audience to the other and test it to see which one is the most engaging and leave it over a certain amount of time so the metrics is correct and then run with it. And, and it comes back to, you know, test and try, test and try all the time because then you'll get good results from it. I'm going to give that Sunday morning email again because my on my on my e-commerce site, my main demographic is women who are around the age of thirty, and they're probably around that sort of thing. But I've got young kids who are watching TV. That's that sort of time. I don't think I've ever sent an email on a Sunday either. So honestly, I, it, you you wouldn't believe the open rates and the engagement rates of what was happening. Also, one of his biggest days throughout the year, would you believe it or not? was Christmas evening. He'd send out his boxing day off early. <laughs> and on Christmas evening, it'd be like wildfire. So again, dinner was out of the way. Kids have exhausted themselves all playing with the toys. Nothing really happening on the TV. Grandpa's asleep in the chair next year. Yeah. Jump on like, <laughs> and all of a sudden, their, their sales started early on Christmas night. And it wow. was amazing to watch the spike in analytics go because they knew what their audience were doing at the time. And they hit mm -hmm. them with an e-shot campaign that worked. That's it. It means next year they can hit it even harder and get even more sales and yeah, things. Exactly. That's it. All testing and seeing what works. Um, well, one of the one of the key things really with like your email marketing is people can always opt out. So they're not forced to be on your newsletter. They've signed up. That was their choice. If you're emailing them a bit too much for what they would like, that doesn't matter. They can just unsubscribe. Exactly. And the people who unsubscribe probably weren't going to buy from you anyway. Yeah, that's right. I mean, God, I'm subscribed to quite a few things. Now, I love to hear from some of the people that I've, I've asked to send me information because I'm enthralled. But again, what I'm asking for is engaging information, uh, marketing insight about a product or brand that I love regardless. And they can never send me enough stuff. But it, there is a balance to it. You can't cook people out. You've just got to make sure you give them just enough information where they're engaging with you all the time. Yeah. And that's the thing where it's about the same test and measure again. Like at the moment, I'm going for a stage of testing even just if two emails a week is better than one email a week. And if the amount of time that it takes, like the cost of that time to put two emails out, which is double obviously, is worth, if I get double the reward technically, then it's going to be worth doing. And then I can test exactly. three, three emails better and that sort of thing. And if yeah, you don't absolutely. test and measure, you don't, you don't know that. So we've kind of like discussed a few times throughout this, this episode, um, like how, how the website is sort of the, the hub of all of your digital marketing. You're saying it's this omni-channel thing. Um, what other things do you think could be tapped into like your, your website, like integrations with your CRM to kind of automate the process of capturing that data and having it there and knowing who your new leads are and that kind of thing. Like, do you think that's something businesses should try and do? At least Great whenever. Question. 
provides. Yeah. And, it, and again, yes, they should if they've got the budget to be able to do it. So there's some brilliant CRM sources out there. We've, we've linked loads of clients up to things such as Pipedrive, Salesforce, HubSpot, brilliant CRMs that capture that data. You know, sign up to our email marketing list here on the website, go straight into MailChimp. Automation is really key. But again, it comes down to the fact that if you can afford it, do it. You might not in the first instance, but build it into your growth plan and make sure that down the line a CRM is considered. We're all going to be too busy to organise all of our contacts. And if you've got a CRM running for you, and again, the data that the CRM can tell you about your customers is incredible. So I definitely encourage people to, to integrate as much as they can into their website. Yeah, like um, just from personal experience, I, c I can't remember how I managed prior to having all of these integrations with my website. Like back when I started, it was all in my head. Then it went into a Google spreadsheet and now it's all automated through these different systems. And the amount of time that saves me every single week, like I'm saving hours each week from doing these admin tasks and just kind of letting that happen in the background and knowing, oh, okay, if I check my calendar today, okay, I've got this meeting, this meeting, all of that's just being arranged without me having to do anything. And it's all through my website. Um, a friend of mine used to tell me this way, you've probably heard it before about IBM, that when there were three of them at IBM, they built out the companies if they were going to be IBM of today. So there's nothing in the harm in the first instance, even if you're a small entity, build it out as if you're going to have 100 staff. Build it out as if you're going to be too busy to run manual contact. Get everything plugged in. If you've got the desire to do it right and stick some automation in your business, I'd encourage it before you start getting too busy where you, you almost haven't got the time to plug all those assets into your website or have them running as the underbelly of your, of your company. And there's a really great book about this called Systemology. And it's all about setting up systems for your business so you, it can run without you. And ultimately, I think that's what we kind of want as business owners, isn't it? We, we start that's a, a dream, business isn't it? <laughs> to work for us and we don't want to work for something, you know, like we, we get fed up with employment. So we start a business and quickly we fall into this trap of we're working harder than ever before. And for a dickhead boss who won't give us any time off, <laughs> won't give us sick pay, and it's just ourselves in the room. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say there's a book called The E Myth as well, which is the same sort of thing, The E Myth by Michael Gerber, and it's all about those systems. I mean, Louis, for me, you know what? That, that book changed my life. The franchise model yeah. they based upon, you know, they talked about McDonald's of the at the time or so when they when the junior was only had to flip a burger, it was all automated and the, and the buzzer went off and the, and the systematic programming that runs straight your business. Do you know what? That's a really good book for a, a, a new startup to read, Louis, isn't it? The yeah, it really is. We recommend quite a lot of, of books on here to be there, but I don't think we've recommended that. Yet. Um, no, but no, one, one thing that if, if I were to be in a position to start a business, this would be like my dream situation. If I had enough money saved up, so I could like live for a year and just create all the systems of a business before actually doing anything at all. Then you could literally just start it and just employ people and you just be sorted. That's the yeah. key thing, yeah. isn't it, with those systems? Yeah. It's all try to build yourself a company, not a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. try, and do, try and do something right. And, and in the first instance, as we all know, it's bloody hard graft and you work some long hours. You're thinking, oh, my God, what am I doing? This the life of an entrepreneur isn't quite what it cracked up to be. But you've got to put the graft in in the first instance. And if you put the systems in, your life's only going to get easier because if you can budget for it where your first member of staff kicks in when you've turned over so much money, then your second member of staff and your third member of staff are going to kick in. You're on the pathway to a, to something where you know your life's going to get easier leading you to do what you're best at. That might be sales or the product or service that you specialize in. But get some great people in your business that makes your life easier. Plan for it, but know in the first instance, you're not going to be working nine to five Monday to Friday. Not like Dolly working nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, only, I only wish, Jenny. I only wish it's kids to bed on a Friday night and then I'm back to it on the laptop sometimes. Oh, yeah. that, that, you know, but I'm, I'm on a, I know what I need to do when I'm on the journey and I'm enjoying it, but I can't switch my laptop on and find a fucking go home and be with the kids. It doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. That's it. Yes, like everything you do, we've, again, we've mentioned this previously, like everything you do in your business needs to be working towards your ultimate goal. And if it's not working towards that goal, why are you doing it? You know? Yeah, my, my business partner um, is, is brilliant at working on the, um, the seven-day plan. You know, forget, forget your business plan for the next year. What are you going to do in the next 30 days that's going to affect your business properly? What are you going to do in the next week or what are you going to do today that that one thing that's going to make your life easier or you're more profitable the next day, the next day, the next day. It's, it's micromanaging yourself in your business to make sure you're on the pathway for great things. Um, and I'm a big believer in that. 
Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, all right, so I think um, maybe it's kind of like wrapping up a bit here. Um, what are the top three mistakes that you see people making with their websites? Ooh, okay, I think we've covered some, but to wrap it up, I think um, they don't build it with their audience in mind, of Mr. Trick. Um, they don't invest in good design and or good imagery. And then they overload it with copy that's not engaging. And I think that's the three things that I would just consider people to do. So consider your copy. Do you know what? It's really actually quite affordable to get a brilliant copywriter to skim over your words and polish. So that's to be written from scratch. You know your business the best. Write it up, send it to a friend or find a junior copywriter that can just add a bit of finesse to your copy. We've said before, get yourself a good brand because a good brand makes for a good website. And then don't start shooting some homemade photography that you're going to put up in the hero area of your website to capture the imagination of your audience. Look on good stock photography websites and grab some imagery in the first instance that resonates with you and your business. Down the line, you can get your, your great photographer in. So for me, it's about design and layout and engagement of your customer that's really important. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the, the podcast this week, uh, Rich. I've um, loved it, guys. Yeah, yeah thank you been, so much. It's been, been great. It's been, it's been great to be with you. And I wish our audience that's listening all the very best. You know, there's some brilliant resources out there. You know, lean on friends, pester people, jump on YouTube, <laughs> have a look at Google, find as much as you can first before you make a decision about who you're going to place your business with, who you want to represent you in the digital world. But as we said before, just get going. Start by doing something. Build a Wix, Wix website. If you don't like it, at least you've learned a bit about it. Then go and speak to the professionals. So I do. I wish everyone all the best out there um, with whatever it is that they're doing. And when people are ready to pay for a professional to make their websites, how can they find you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> good, good question. Google Seven Sun Agency, and we'll be up there at the top. And, and, and again, we'd welcome a cup of coffee to chat with anyone, even if it's half an hour, just to pick our brains. You know, we have this sort of, I'll, I'll chat to anybody. They don't have to sign up with us, but if they want some help or to be steered in the right direction or turned around and send him back towards a Wix <laughs> website in the first instance, I'll chat to anybody. So thanks for either. Yeah, they're very welcome to get in touch. So to summarise on this episode, we've been joined by Rich Hayden, who's been talking to us about the what, why and how of websites. And we've looked at things like how you can actually make your website work for you, how you can optimise your website to grow your business. And we've even touched into some more high level things such as like how you can then integrate your website into the rest of your business to start automating some of those processes it's been really fantastic having rich on the show again we're gonna have a link to rich's website seven sun down in the show's description so make sure you go and check that out if you enjoyed this episode and would like to give us some feedback or if you have a question you'd like us to answer then send us an email again you can find that in the description of the episode also, make sure to follow us on social media so that you never miss an episode. We are MMM Guides on most social networks. Again, the link's down in the episode's description. So we are Jenny, Louis, and Isaac, your guides to making money with marketing.